Hollywood writers are on strike and robots are one of the big reasons why. Today on the podcast, we talk about whether generative AI is coming for union jobs and whether the unions are up to the challenge of stopping it. Hello, you're listening to On the Merits, the weekly news podcast from Bloomberg Law and Bloomberg Government. I'm your host, David Schultz. So you don't need to be following the news to know there's a writer's strike going on right now. You just have to turn on late night TV where you'll see a bunch of reruns. The Writers Guild of America officially went on strike a week ago, and their reasons are numerous, as you'll hear in a bit. But the ones we're going to focus on today have to do with robots, specifically the types of generative AI like ChatGPT that you've been hearing so much about. As you may already know, these algorithms are fed seemingly infinite amounts of data and then use that to learn how to produce their own content, almost as if out of thin air. Bloomberg Law reporter Ian Culgren recently wrote a story about this. He focused on how much federal labor law protects unionized employees from being replaced by these types of bots. And he found that, well, it mostly doesn't. And that's one of the big reasons why this strike is happening in the first place. And I should say here that I myself am a unionized employee. I'm a member of the Communication Workers of America. So I brought Ian into the studio to get into how this new technology could affect unions moving forward. But first, I wanted to get into all the non-AI reasons why writers are on the picket line. They went on strike May 2nd for the first time since 07, 08, over a variety of issues, mostly related to pay and the disruption of their industry that Netflix has caused, right? You no longer have 22 season network TV shows that people are writing for, even though there are more projects, it's sort of created this kind of disparate, um, you know, fracturing of this specific Hollywood industry. So it sounds like pay is one of the uh, central issues here. But another issue is ChatGPT and AI uh, robots like it uh, who can you know generate text out of thin air. Tell me about how that plays into this. What what are the disputes around that? Right. So as you mentioned, um, AI chat GPT has become something that is increasingly capturing the attention of Hollywood and Hollywood writers. And it's still sort of a theoretical theoretical threat because AI isn't quite advanced enough to write entire episodes and such uh, of TV shows. But it's actually getting pretty close. Yeah. Like, there was a South Park episode last season where ChatGPT wrote the ending. They, like, left all of these loose ends, and then ChatGPT wrote yeah. the ending, and it was yeah. credited as a writer. When Stan got to school, he was approached by his best friend. Dude, did you hear what happened to your girlfriend? No, what about her? Yeah, I mean, it's, I think we all have, you know, toyed around with it and seen what it can do, and that this is just one of the many applications for it. Um, but what I thought was really interesting about your story was that it sounds like if a Hollywood studio said, you know, I'm going to fire all my writers and, you know, replace them with ChatGPT, there's some interesting labor rules around that or maybe lack of labor rules. Can you get into that? What would a, a Hollywood studio have to do to comply with labor law if it wanted to do that theoretically? Well, as you said, there wouldn't be anything on its face illegal about doing that. This And this is not a new issue, but federal labor law has long given employers wide latitude to institute new types of technology in the workplace, to change up the way they do business. You know, it's all, it's all part of respecting the fact that this is an independent business that can do business the way 
the way it wants. The example that one prominent labor lawyer I talked to said was if if I run a company that makes pans okay, and all of a sudden I want to make pots and there is a different skill required to make these specific pots and I need different people doing that, I'm free to, as a business owner, say... I want to make pots instead of pans and make the necessary changes. And and the company owner doesn't need to go to the union and say, hey, we're no longer a pan company, we're a pot company. They can just do that. That's that's true. What they, what they do need to do is bargain over the effects of that decision. This is getting kind of wonky, but it's called- No, I want to get into this. Yeah, explain that. Yeah, it's it. The, the, there, there are different types of bargaining. The f- first- is called directional bargaining. There's some there's sometimes different terms used for it, but there's directional bargaining, which is actually bargaining over the decision. Hey, hey, I want to replace half of this assembly line with robots. We're bargaining over that subject specifically. The second category on the back end is called effects bargaining, which says, okay, the employer doesn't have to negotiate over putting robots on half of this assembly line, but it does have to negotiate over the effects of that decision, i.e. if the schedules change, if they do need to get rid of people because they need fewer workers on the line, negotiating severance, all those types of things. So extending this out to the Hollywood situation, it sounds like uh, Hollywood studios could bring in AI to write you know, the movies and TV shows that we watch. But if they were going to fire their existing writers or even reduce their schedules as a result of that, they would then have to bargain over that. They would, most likely. If they refuse to bargain over the terms of the employees leaving or or anything in the category of the effects bargaining we were talking about, yeah, they, they could get in trouble. Typically, these things don't happen overnight like that. You know, there's a sure. slow creep in introduction of a new type of technology into a workplace, and it's over a period of years or decades that those workers find themselves, you know, out on the street, on the proverbial street. And that's that's the situation that the union does not want to be in. Yeah. And, and we should say, you know, based on my experience with ChatGPT thus far, I don't think I'd really want to watch a movie or a TV show written exclusively by chat gpt i think that uh, the technology is not ready to do that quite yet but it but as you mentioned it could be right yeah so what are the what can the writers do and specifically the writers union well imagine a scenario like we just talked about but when the studios go to do this when they go to fire writers they look in the contract and there is a clause that says oh there's some certain things in here that we can't use artificial intelligence for. Or if you're going to introduce new technology into the workplace in these areas, you know, however that's phrased, it has to be bargained over. This is sort of the Easter egg they want to put in the the contract, right? And that's one of the reasons why they're on strike, because they want to get this into their next contract. I guess that's where now it's all coming full circle, that they're, you know, in addition to these pay issues, they want to have a clause in their upcoming contract that says, you know, if you're going to, you meaning the Hollywood studios, if you're going to use ChatGPT or or AI, you need to consult with us first. Right. They're trying to get out ahead of the technological advance before it happens and before it takes their jobs. And that's something that unions historically have been pretty bad at doing. 
Ooh, really? Tell me more about that. There haven't there haven't been many instances where unions are able to do that successfully. Another example that you have right across town from where this writer strike is going on is the ports in the port of LA. This was something where the shoe was on the other foot a few years ago. The the port operators, the employers in the situation, got the union to agree to let them automate certain ports, certain port terminals, I should say. So, the, so there was no question that it was okay for them to do that. Now, the Longshoremen's Union is, is very worried about more and more automation creeping into these ports, and they're, they're having a similar fight. But it's a lot harder when the enemy, so to speak, is already on the beach, mm. right? It's already there. It's already something that the employers are doing. It's already... The, you know, it's it's real. It's it's in existence, and it's a lot it's it's a lot harder when there is uh, you know a very real expectation because you've seen it happening. That's some really great context. It makes me realize why the writer strike is happening right now, as opposed to in a few years. Because you know the writers, it sounds like, are worried about you know the 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 robots getting on the beach to mix a few metaphors. There. <laughs> yes, the robots getting on the beach. Terminator meets uh, Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'll be back. Well, putting that aside, um, the other angle in your story that really caught my eye uh, was that it's kind of an insult to injury situation where the writers are not only trying to stave off ChatGPT, they also don't want their own work to be used to train ChatGPT uh, because, you know, if these Hollywood studios are feeding their work, their writing into the AI, that could train them to eventually take their own jobs. Where are they uh, with that? Is that something that they're really trying to fight or is that just sort of a, a background dispute that's making this even more bitter? It's definitely not a background dispute because it's really part and parcel to how AI works. Right. I mean, I don't I don't claim to be an AI expert, but the basic idea is there there's almost a digital library, this sort of existing universe of information that AI draws from and, and synthesizes and assembles to appear intelligent like a human or another sentient being, even though even though it's not. And so for this thing to work now and in the future, it's got to feed on something, basically. It's got to be based on something. And so it's definitely not theoretical to think, again, even if the technology doesn't exist in the way that could take their jobs, that anything they are producing right now and have produced in the past could conceivably be put in this kind of universe of information that AI draws from and puts them out of a job. Mm. It is a very it is a very kind of dystopian situation. Or if not dystopian then it, at, at least frustrating for the writers because it, in that sense sure. they're literally training their own replacements. Right. Yeah, that's that's the fear. That's the fear of what what could happen in the future again. Yeah. Uh okay, then let's broaden this out. Um you know, we're talking about the writer strike. We're talking about Hollywood. It's one industry not that big of an industry in the grand scheme of things. However, I could see this same fight playing out in a lot of other industries. You already mentioned one of them, which is shipping. Um, is this something that we will start to see in the labor movement a lot more, where you have unions fighting against 
you know, AI and or is this something that the Hollywood writers are specifically vulnerable to because they work in a uh, creative environment? The Hollywood writers are somewhat unique to this point in terms of what we've seen in the AI battle only because they are part of the very, very small segment of the private sector that is unionized. So this is a fight that will certainly be applicable to other professions, other situations, especially ones that are less creative than being a screenwriter in Hollywood. And I think it's something that we're going to see be a real point of friction. We're seeing that now because there is a framework for this dispute to play out through a union, through a union contract, through a union contract being expired and having to address this issue right now. So yes, it's it's hard to imagine that this is something that is contained specifically to Hollywood writers. It's going to affect a lot of white collar workers. Yeah. But I'm wondering if you're hearing from your sources in the labor movement um, or, you know, maybe labor leaders themselves that, you know, when they're talking at conferences or something or maybe just talking with you on the phone, if there are, are they like, yeah, this is like something we really need to get a handle on. We need to get, you know, get up to speed and maybe start, you know, waging, start setting the battle lines for a fight against AI. Yeah, that, that's a really interesting question. It, it's certainly it's certainly something that some labor leaders have expressed in the broader sense. One thing labor leaders are always concerned about, and this is encapsulated by something that the late AFL-CIO President Richard Trumka used to say all the time. He'd say back in the day, you know, in the 50s or 60s, there was this idea, like, or 70s, when he was coming up in the labor movement, there was this idea that advancing technology was such an opportunity for workers because it would make society more efficient. It would make their jobs more efficient. They'd have to work maybe a three or four day work week. They'd get more times with their families. And instead, a lot of the time, it has turned into replacing people. Yeah. And so it's something that they're hyper vigilant of whenever there's really any sort of technological advance advancement and or trade development, frankly, they're frequently concerned about whether the new technology they're discussing is going to be used, I mean, in their eyes for good or for evil, right? Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, that was uh, Ian Colgren talking with us about Hollywood and AI and uh, the writer's strike that's going on right now. Ian, thank you so much. This is going to be really interesting to see how this plays out and, and how the, the contract dispute gets resolved. Thank you. And that'll do it for today's episode of On the Merits. It was produced by myself, David Schultz. Our editor is Andrew Satter, and our executive producer is Josh Block. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Those nine justices in Washington can be hard to keep track of. That's where we come in. On our podcast, Cases and Controversies, we give you a week-by-week accounting of the Supreme Court, the filings, the arguments, the opinions, and much, much more. Check in on Fridays with Bloomberg Law's Cases and Controversies to find out what's coming up on the horizon of the Supreme Court. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.